Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series journey, which is based on the life of Daniel and the difficult situations and decisions he faced. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil begins by having us think about earthquakes and tsunamis that happen in our lives. In other words, what happens when the bottom falls out? Join us as Pastor Dave provides some thoughts on how we can bounce back when our lives are shattered. On Friday morning, when we got up, we all saw in the news the images that we've just watched or we looked online and uh, heard that uh, Japan had suffered and gone through a massive earthquake, measured 8.9 on the Richter scale, devastating beyond description. Um, But the worst was almost yet to come. But because of the epicenter, um, within 20 to 25 minutes of the earthquake, a massive tsunami rocked the uh, northwest side of Japan. At last count, I saw yesterday in the middle of the day, there were 700 people dead, several billion dollars worth of damage, um, and, and it goes on. I was told in between services that, uh, of course, we've heard about the, um, the power plants and that, that are having issues, but this morning, about an hour, hour and a half ago, a volcano erupted on Japan, and it just is one thing after another after another. And as I watch throughout the day and as we've watched throughout the weekend um, and the pain that the country and the people of Japan are going through, I began to think about personal earthquakes that many of us go through. You know, the big 8.9 earthquakes. When um, the divorce papers are served to you and you realize that your marriage is over. When you get that unexpected call telling you that a loved one has passed on. When the boss calls you into the office and says, you know, I am so sorry, after all these years of working for us, we're going to have to let you go. When the doctor meets with you and says the news is not good. When your kid does something really dumb or they get addicted to drugs and they're really getting in trouble. Earthquakes that we go through. But the crazy thing is that it it seems like problems come in waves because we not only have the earthquake, but it seems like right behind it, a couple weeks later, we have the tsunami that hits. It just seems like that, doesn't it? That bad things come in waves. Last week we started this brand new series on the life of of, uh, Daniel called Journey about making wise decisions, especially during difficult trying times. And and again, as I got thinking about it, Daniel chapter 1 was his earthquake. I mean, you talk about being devastated. Your homeland is completely destroyed and you get taken as a slave to a foreign country. I I think that would qualify as an 8.9 personal earthquake. And and right at the end of the story last week, it looks like things are starting to pick up. It looks like he's starting to put his life back together. But then we get to chapter 2, our story this morning. That's the tsunami. You you think it was bad in chapter 1. It gets awful in chapter 2. What I want to talk to you about today and really throughout this series is what happens when the bottom falls out on our life. What do we do to recoup? How do we bounce back? So Daniel chapter 2 is where I'm going to be at, page 626. Um, I'm going to just kind of set the stage up for you in terms of what's going on in Daniel's life and, and, and how does it fall apart again after chapter 1. Daniel 2, verse 1, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, um, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Here you have the most powerful man in the world and he can't sleep at night, right? 
He's canceling because of, of, of this dream. Um, I, I read, according to the National Sleep Foundation, nearly two-thirds of Americans have trouble sleeping at least a couple times every week. Huh? Does that happen to you? Sometimes it's physical issues, right? We're too hot or we're too cold. Or maybe we're in pain, you know, and that keeps us awake. Sometimes it's psychological or mental issues. We're worried about something. We're thinking about something. We've got a big project at, at, at work. Or maybe we're excited about a trip coming up. There's all kinds of different reasons. But, but he can't sleep. The king can't sleep. I also heard about this other guy who couldn't sleep. He had robbed a store, and he, and he was feeling pretty bad about it. And so he wrote a note to the owner of the store, and, and he, this is what he wrote. He says, I've just become a Christian and I can't sleep at night because I feel so guilty. So here's $100 that I owe you. And then he signed his name and he wrote, P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. (laughs) Whether it's shame or whether it's worry, sometimes we can't sleep. And this king can't can't sleep. So verse 2. He says, the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in, they stood before the king. He said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Now, I want to point out for you the four groups of people that come to see him. First, you have the magicians, completely different than how we refer to magicians. You know, we really think of illusionists, people who pull a rabbit out of a hat or do card tricks and, you know, kind of trick us like that. Um, That's not the magician they are talking about in that culture. In that culture, this was, an, this was an individual who had magic charts, and they would look at these magic charts to try and interpret the future. It's basically how we would perceive some palm readers, okay? They're trying to look at our hand to try and predict what we're going to look like or who we're going to be and things that are going to happen to us in our life. Then you've got the enchanters. These were people, because of their so-called ability to put spells on people, okay? Um, we would think of like a medieval witch. You put a spell on someone. That was the, the enchanters. Then you have the sorcerers. These were individuals who practiced black magic. They would try and contact the dead, and by contacting the dead, they were hoping to be able to predict the future. And then you have uh, the astrologers. Okay, These are people who would look up to the sky and uh, try and interpret the stars, and by interpreting the stars, they would hopefully be able to interpret the future. Okay, Now, just a couple quick notes. It might interest you in knowing that the astrologers in verse 2 are also referred in the book of Daniel as wise men. And most Bible students believe that um, these, the descendants of this group of people were the same individuals that showed up at a small home in Bethlehem to see Mary and Joseph and the Christ Messiah, Jesus. And the reason they knew about the Jewish Messiah is because of the influence that Daniel would have on them throughout this book as we study it, okay? Uh, uh, just another comment that I would make real quickly as your pastor, I would encourage you Um, because the Bible encourages you don't have anything to do with the four groups of people mentioned in verse 2. You go, I don't have anything to do with them now. No, not maybe directly as it's spoken of there, but maybe indirectly some of us do, okay? Let me give you some examples of what this might mean. It might be someone like a palm reader. Oh, but, you know, I just go to them, you know, at the county fair, and it's kind of fun. The Bible says it's not really fun. There's something behind it, okay? Um, Ouija boards, even horoscopes. Again, well, I just, you know, I get it sent to me in my email for fun or on Facebook. Again, the Bible says you don't want to mess with it. It might just be for fun, but underneath it, there may be other things, okay? So, I, you know, if you want more information, I'd be happy to give it to you. 
But real quickly, don't mess with it is what the Bible says. The story goes on, verse 4. When the, and then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. Notice how they kiss up to him. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. You guys have dreams? Yeah, we all have dreams. They tell psychologists tell us we all have dreams. Have you ever been in in a really good dream? You know what I'm talking about. It's just kind of a fun, really exciting dream. Then you wake up, you try to go back to sleep and re-engage the dream, and you can't. Does that ever happen to you? You know, you're like, why can't I get back into it? Um, scary dreams we call them nightmares, right? And typically, adults we don't have them as much, but as kids, you know, the whole movie Monsters Inc. That's a whole story about kids getting nightmares, right? Do you ever have really weird? strange dreams like people people i don't know what you're doing it's like what is going on the strangest dream i've had in the last couple years is (laughs) i'm this is true i'm not making this up i'm walking on a beach okay and as i'm walking on the beach i look down and i'm missing my thumb on my right hand and i'm like well that's not cool you know and so i start looking for my thumb on the sand because if I find the thumb, I'm going to reattach it. Because you can do that in dreams, right? You could. So I'm looking around the sand. And so sure enough, I see the thumb. I go over there. I pick the thumb up. Here's where it gets really weird. I go to reattach it, and it's not my thumb. Some other dude is looking for his thumb. Now, some psychologists would say I have issues. Maybe you think I have issues, right? Um, uh, sometimes people think that dreams have something and meaning behind it or not meaning behind it. Um, it's interesting in the Bible that there are meaning behind it. In fact, sometimes God speaks through dreams. Just the Christmas story, there's two or three times visions, dreams that God is speaking. So the question i just going to talk about real quickly, does God still speak through dreams? I mean, he did then. Did he? Now, let me just say this to you. In the Bible, the reason God does that primarily is because they don't have this book. That's why he speaks in dreams. Okay? But now that we have this book, we have everything we need to know how to live a life that is pleasing to him and is self-satisfying to us. I would caution you to be incredibly skeptical of thinking that God is speaking to you in a dream. More likely... It's a book that you're reading or a TV show that you were watching or a conversation you had or some sushi isn't isn't sitting well with you, okay? This is how God almost exclusively communicates through us. Now, can he communicate through dreams? Sure, but I'm telling you, be incredibly skeptical. Let's keep reading verse 5. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have to cut you up into pieces. Your house is turned into piles of rubble. I think this qualifies as a not very good day. Okay? But, verse 6, if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it. Now, there are accounts, extra-biblical accounts in historical records, where kings would do this. I had a dream, they call in their delegates and they call in their, their people and they go, oh, I want you, here's my dream, interpret it, you know, and if we're part of the delegation, you know, well, the, the mountain means this and, you know, you not having a thumb means that, you know, we make stuff up, right? That's how they would basically do it. There's no record of this happening where the king sets, steps back and basically goes, okay, I've had a dream, it bothers me. Not only do you have to give me the interpretation of the dream, you have to give me the content of the dream. I'm not going to tell you what I dreamt. It's next to impossible. That's why in verse 10, we read the following. The astrologers answered the king, 
There's no man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of a magician, enchanter, or astrologer. I love verse 11. What the king asks for is too difficult. No one can reveal it except the gods. Now, it's small g, but they acknowledge only something almighty can do what you're asking. And they do not live among men. Verse 12, this made the king so angry and so furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Okay, so up until this point, nothing wrong with Daniel because the delegation is in front of the king. He gets upset at the delegation. They keep pushing back. We can't do this. They get more upset. The the argument escalates. And finally, the king goes, okay, not only are you guys going to die, but every single one in your group is going to die. You're all dead. So now Daniel's implicated. Even though last week he just graduated from Babylon University at the head of his class, and he just became, quote, part of the wise, intelligent astrologer men, he's just been put on death row. That's what just happened to him. None of us literally are on death row, but some of us physically feel like we are. Because we've just met with the doctor, or we've just been told that the news is not good, whether it's about us or it's about someone we care for. Someone feel, some of us feel this way relationally. People we care for, whether they're friends or family members, and that relationship seems to be crumbling. Many uh, in our culture and society have gone through this experience financially in the last couple of years where what we own and what we have is seemingly crumbled and fallen apart. Some of us, this has happened in our careers. So what do I do? What, what do I do when the bottom falls out? Where do I go? How, how do I cope? I'm going to give you four things Daniel does. We looked at a couple things last week. If you weren't with us, listen to the podcast. We're going to keep talking about it next week. But some of them, the first one is incredibly simple, but incredibly practical. Look at verse 14. First thing he does, first thing we are to do when our life seemingly crumbles and we get hit by a, an earthquake. When, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. If you're taking notes, first thing I want you to write down is respond calmly and thoughtfully. Respond calmly and thoughtfully. This is the third time, it literally says in this verse, that he spoke, he spoke with wisdom and tact. Three times in less than chapter and a half where what Daniel says takes a very bad situation and makes it at least manageable. Two times in chapter one and right away here in chapter two. The way, it's not that he's some fantastic public speaker. It's just that he approaches situations politely and he, and he does so tactfully. He keeps his cool under pressure. That's what we're talking about here. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't blow a gasket. Can you remember the last time you lost your cool? Think about it real quick. Some of us yesterday or this morning. Maybe typically it's with our kids or our family because that's where we can really be ourselves and we go crazy. Sometimes it's at work or at school. When's the last time you lost your cool? Here's the truth. If, if, it just, if you got it in your mind, I got it in my mind when I did it. More than likely... We said something we wish we could take back, and we did something we wouldn't otherwise do if not that our emotions were so revved up. That's the point. When your earthquake or your tsunami hits, I know there's emotion involved, but try and be calm. 
That first word is very important. Respond to this situation. Don't react. You see, if you react to situations or people, you let that person in that situation control your actions, control what you do. If you respond to a situation, you're under control. Or better yet, God the Holy Spirit is under control. Very important. Respond Calmly. Now, one way to do that, do what Daniel did. Get more information about your problem. Look at verse 15. Daniel asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? In other words, this is not like him. He's kind of a mean guy anyway, but this is over the top harsh. Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. So when your world is falling apart, try and ask good questions. Try and get new information. So if my world financially is falling apart, I don't just kind of lose it. No, ask questions. What am I spending? Where did my money go? What's going on with my mortgage or the rate? What's happening with what my income is? You know, what are my credit cards? Try and get information. Ask good questions about the situation, the problem that you're going through. Okay? The other thing that I found fascinating is what happens in verse 16. At this, or when this happened, Daniel went to the king and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Isn't it true that when we have an issue or a problem, especially with, when it's a, with another person, most of the times we don't go to them? We just stew. Have you ever had those, you know, you have some an issue with a person and you have imaginary conversations in your mind? Well, then I'm going to say to them and then, you know, right? But we don't go to them. But I think a very simple lesson that Daniel gives us is if there's an issue or a problem, don't avoid it. Try and respond calmly, try and get a little more information, and then go to the person and say, hey, can we talk? Not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that's a lesson that we get from here. So step number one, respond calmly and thoughtfully. Step number two, write this down. You've got to enlist others to pray. Get other people that you care about to pray. Look at verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They already heard something's going on because they got CNN coming up, and they're talking about the decree Nebuchadnezzar's just issued. They're wondering, what just happened? Daniel comes in, and he explains it to them. Oh, my goodness. We're going to die? Yeah, they're coming right now. They're going to kill today. It's over. We're dying today. What are we going to do? Should we run? Verse 18. Daniel urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The first thing they do is they pray. It's the first thing they do. Someone sent me this email. I thought it was pretty interesting and cute. Let me read it to you. It's called, it was entitled Heavenly Voicemail. Okay? It says, most of us have learned to live with voicemail as a necessary part of our lives. Have you ever wondered what it would be like If God decided to install voicemail, imagine praying and hearing the following. Thank you for calling heaven for English, press one, for Spanish, press two, for all other languages, press three. Please select one of the following options. Press one for requests, two for thanksgiving, three for complaints, four for all others. I am, I'm sorry. All our angels and saints are busy, busy helping other sinners right now. However, your prayer is important to us and will be answered in the order it was received. Please stay on the line. If you'd like to speak to God, press 1. Jesus, press 2. Holy Spirit, press 3. <laughs> to find a loved one that has been assigned to heaven, press 5. Then enter his social security number followed by the pound sign. <laughs> if, if you receive a negative response, please hang up and dial area code 666. Oh, that's pretty calm. <laughs> wow. For, <laughs> for answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, life, and other planets, please wait until you arrive in heaven for specifics. 
The office is now closed for the weekend to observe the national holiday. If you are calling after hours and need emergency assistance, please contact your local pastor. And then it ends. Our computers show that you have already been prayed for today. Please hang up and call again tomorrow. (laughs) Aren't you glad it's not that complicated? But we make it complicated. We really do. Let me tell you what I observe. I observe that when we, a group of people who supposedly believe in prayer, when we have issues in our life, when we have earthquakes or tsunamis that hit us, whether they're big earthquakes or small earthquakes, for some reason, we decide to keep that information to ourselves. Have you noticed this? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell you guys what I got going in my life. You know, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to pray for me. Why do we not? Maybe it's pride. We like to give off this appearance that we got our life put together, especially pastors. Heck, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to tell you when I got a problem. Right. The more spiritual supposedly you are in other people's eyes, the more we want to impress you. So we're not going to tell you when our life's falling apart. Sometimes it's embarrassment. It just is. I mean, we're embarrassed about our finances or we're embarrassed that our kid did something they shouldn't have done. And so I'm just not going to say it because I'm embarrassed. Sometimes it's um, shame because we caused it. We caused the problem. Sometimes, you know, I I don't want to bother you. I don't want to stress you out. You know, I'll just keep it to myself. And sometimes it's just a combination of all of those, right? I don't know why it is. We are supposed to believe in prayer. Apparently, this book says it works. But when we have issues in our life, we don't tell other people. It's it's not right. It's not biblical. It's not even mature. We are to be open and honest with each other. Now, I am not suggesting you put it on Facebook so everybody knows. But I'm suggesting you, we all have that group of friends, right? Or you all have people here at church, brothers and sisters in Christ, that want to pray with you. You don't have to really give them all the gory details, but prayer apparently works. At the end of last service, we had a time where we um, prayed for people who had, call them earthquakes or whatever going on in their life. And we're going to do it again this service. And we'll probably do it for this entire series. You know why? Because at the end of last week, there were some of you that wanted to come forward and be prayed for, and you didn't. For maybe one of the reasons I just mentioned. Or maybe it was just too much for you. We're going to do it again today. Let's not be fake. Not me, not you. We, We all have problems we're dealing with. Sometimes they're our fault. Sometimes they're not. But they're issues. But when, when, when a tsunami and an earthquake hits you, get, get other people to pray with you and for you. It makes a difference. You benefit from it, okay? Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Number three, worship God passionately. You know, th- this seems completely out of place. It just doesn't even seem it fits, right? But that's what he does. That's what he does. Look at, look at verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised or worshiped the God of heaven. Some of you might be kind of new to this church thing and you're wondering what the heck is the first 20 minutes of church all about? You know, why don't they just get Dave up there and he does his little talk thing? I don't the singing thing, everybody. I don't 
You know, the only time I sing out loud is maybe at a birthday party and maybe at a ball game during the national anthem. I don't get the church singing thing. Plus, I don't sing that well. What is it? It's this thing in the Bible called worship. And it's a fancy word. Here's all it means. It means you and I expressing our appreciation and love to God. That's what it is. That's all it is. Now, worship has nothing to do with whether you know the song or don't know the song. Worship has nothing to do with whether we have loud music, soft music, uh, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. It has nothing to do with whether it's contemporary or modern or whether it's tradition. It has nothing to do with that. It has only to do with one thing. Are you willing to appreciate your God? That's all it has to do with. That's all it has to do with. It has nothing to do with the quality of your voice. We're not standing up here with these singers that can keep a tune and on pitch. That's okay. God doesn't say, well, as long, you know, only if you can be on the top 24 in American Idol, then you can worship out loud. Doesn't say that. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Apparently, in the midst of my earthquake, one of the things that helps heal me, one of the things that helps move me forward is that. It's your willingness to worship him in spite of your world falling apart. What's amazing is Daniel's problem isn't over. He, he's, God's told him about the dream. That is no guarantee that Nebuchadnezzar is going to go, I could care less, I'm going to kill you anyway. It's fascinating to me what Daniel worships and how he worships. Here's what he says, verse 20. Daniel said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. In other words, he's an eternal God. One of wisdom and power. In other words, he's smart and he's strong. Verse 21, he changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes him. In other words, he's under control even though I don't see it. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So when I don't know what to do, he has the knowledge and wisdom to give it to me if I seek it. Verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells within him. He knows how I'm feeling. Verse 23, this is fascinating to me. I thank and praise you, O God, of my fathers. His life's still in the crapper. It's still falling apart. And yet he still is willing to thank God. I don't want to minimize your earthquake, whatever it is. But the reality is that in spite of some area in your life falling apart, the reality is there are still some things to thank God for. For example, my guess is that every single one of us here had a warm place to sleep last night. My guess is that none of us here went to bed hungry last night. My guess is that most of us here took a shower in nice, warm, hot water this morning. We already saw how in the video half the world or parts of Africa and India don't have clean water. My guess is that many of us are sitting next to people here this morning that are good friends of us or family members or people we care for. Those are all things to thank him for. I I know some area of your life isn't working out, but there's still a lot to thank him for. I'm just giving it to you as something to think about. In about five minutes when I'm done, 
you're going to have about 12 to 15 minutes to do that. It's your call. Whether you know the song or don't know the song. Whether it's loud or soft. Whether it's a song you like or maybe don't so much like. It's your opportunity to worship him for who he is and to appreciate him. There's one more thing that, that Daniel does. And, and it's when he does bail you out, give God the credit. Look at verse 26. He goes and he meets with God. And it says, the king, Daniel, the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? I love what Daniel, how he answers. Now think about it. He knows the answer, right? Can you tell me what I dreamt? Verse 26, 27, Daniel replied, no. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, no? You just found out he told you in a vision. Well, he clarifies. Daniel replied, no, wise men, or enchanter, or magician, or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but... There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. I'm not asking you to be some fake, you know, Bible-thumping, crazy Christian or whatever. But when God does bail you out, when God does bless you, when he does pull through for you, make sure he gets the credit. Make sure he gets the credit. Why? Because James says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Everything that's good is given to you by him. It was the fall of 1988, and the Los Angeles Dodgers had just won the World Series. Their uh, pitcher, Oral Hershiser, had won the MVP. He had absolutely dominated the playoffs in the last part of the season. And as the MVP, he was going on all these different TV shows. And one of the TV shows he went on right away was uh, the late-night show with um, Johnny Carson. And there he was sitting with Johnny Carson, and, and Johnny said, you know, there, there's, a, there's some footage we want to show you and then ask you about. And they showed some footage of Oral Hersizer picked out by a local station in Los Angeles. Um, it, it was the bottom of the ninth inning in one of the playoff games, and Oral Hersheiser was in the dugout, off to the side, right by the wall, and his lips were moving. And so they cut the clip, and Johnny Carson asked Oral Hersheiser, what were you saying there? I mean, was that you pepping yourself up? Were you motivating yourself? What were you doing? And um, Oral Horsheiser said, no, I, I, I wasn't talking or do, it wasn't no motivational speak or anything. He said, what are you doing? And Horsheiser said, well, I was actually singing. And you know, remember Johnny Carson, he goes, singing? I didn't know you were a singer. Come on, let's hear it. And Horsheiser was like, no, I, I'm not a singer. Come on. And he got the crowd going, come on, we want to hear it, don't we? Yeah. And they all cheered. And so finally, Oral Horsheiser said, well, I'm not that great of a singer, but I guess, I guess I'll I'll sing what I was singing in the dugout. And so he started to sing. And this is what he sang. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that studio was about as quiet as it is today. Here. You know what? Oral Hershiser basically went on to say, you know why I'm MVP? You know why I'm the MVP? Because I have an MVP kind of God. And even though earthquakes come my way, 
And even though right behind it comes a tsunami, and even though I can't figure it out, he's still a good God. And he's still a great God. And eventually he'll pull me through. And when he does, he's going to get the credit. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we take a moment to pray, um, we want to ask that you would be with the people of Japan this morning. In the last just couple days, their life has been turned upside down. We pray that you would encourage them and that you would strengthen them. Father, we have heard through news reports that, especially in the northeast coast, things are still so chaotic that they're not entirely sure how to help them. And organizations that normally are on the scene immediately can't even get in. So we pray for them. Father, we pray for the Christian witness as a result of this. It seems like sometimes when our, when our world falls apart and when earthquakes hit, Sometimes we're even more receptive to the Almighty. So, Father, I I pray that you would work in and through this situation. But as we've talked this morning, I pray for individuals who are here this morning, gone through their own personal earthquakes. And we might not know it from the way they walked in today, but they're hurting. And there's something in their life that's the bottom's fallen out. Father, I thank you that your word is so incredibly practical. I thank you that um, you give us good advice that we can take with us. I, I pray that you would just help keep us calm. When our emotions are all going crazy, help keep us calm. Help us get the right information. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be prideful enough or embarrassed to admit we got issues, that we would tell others that we could pray with them. Thank you that we can talk to you in the midst of our problems. Father, I pray that as difficult as it may be, that we would go through the process of worshiping you, even in the midst of difficult times. But for those of us whose life is going pretty good, that we would especially take the opportunity to acknowledge what you've done for us. Father, when you turn things around... And we know you will eventually. We will give you the honor and we will give you the glory. Just as Daniel did. Remembering that everything good we have is because of you. And we thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. We're going to wrap up our service. Wrap up. We still have 10, 15 minutes. We're going to thank him in something called the Lord's Supper or communion. It's the primary thing that we as a church are to do to thank him for what his son Jesus did on the cross. And um, if you're a Christ follower, we invite you to participate. You do not have to be a member of the church or anything. There's a couple ways you can do that. If you just want to take communion, uh, there's a couple tables in the back. And whenever you're ready, right in the middle of worship, just get up, go to the back, get the cup and get the the bread that represents his broken body for the forgiveness of your sins and partake. If, on the other hand, um, you want to partake, but there's also some issues, maybe a couple earthquakes that have happened to you, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Instead of going to the back, I want to encourage you to come to the front where we have some kneeling benches. And someone from our prayer team will give you the cup and give you the bread, and then they will ask you just briefly what's going on, and they will take a moment and pray for you. And why are we going to do that? Same reason we said last week, because we don't want to be fake.
whether it's an earthquake that was your fault or not your fault, if you're going through something, let us pray for you. There's going to be plenty of time to do that. Two things. Praise him. Worship him in the next 10, 15 minutes because he deserves it. Thank him for what he's blessed you with. And if you want to be prayed for, please come to the forward. Uh, and someone in the prayer team will pray with you. Why don't we stand? People from the prayer team, if you don't mind coming forward right at this moment, thank you. together God we sing that song knowing that literally centuries of Christians have sung that we remember what you've done for us we remember that we've been forgiven and the penalty for what we've done and what we will do has already been paid so we're free to know you again thank you God thank you for that freedom we remember that you were pierced you were nailed to a cross you were whipped you died for us so that we could live we thank you that you're near not only now but when the storms of life come when the wind is strong when the water is deep when we don't know what to do next God we know that you're near so God thank you for being that kind of God the God who knows the mysteries of our own lives and even knows the mysteries of the things that we can't share today that we haven't asked prayer for but may be hidden God, we know that you know those things. So God, I pray that you would answer those prayers, that you would hear the cries that are not vocalized, hear the, the things that are wearing us down, that are weighing on our shoulders, God, that we can't really share. We know that you know. So meet us in those places, God, we pray. God, continue to teach us here at Bay Hills. Teach us what kind of God you are so that no matter where we find ourselves, whatever season, that you would give us the power to worship you and to acknowledge you and to learn from you. We give you this worship and we give you all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.